sort of catch up on this series, um, you can go to our website. And the reason why we're taking time um, to understand this idea of prayer, and um, I believe that we learn how to pray by simply praying. And so what we've said is, is that we sort of enrolled ourselves in the school of prayer, and Jesus is our master teacher. And we've learned a lot of things about prayer. And primarily what we've learned is, is we've looked at the life of Jesus and we've looked at how he approaches God as Father, how he prays for himself and what this looks like. And, and today there's no sort of fancy intro. We're just diving right into the passage. Are you guys good with that? Because the sermon starts now. Okay, here we go. All right. So the context of our passage, it says that Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And um, what I love about the Bible is, is the Bible is um, historically accurate. And what's great is you probably don't ever see this on the news because that would be devastating to the narrative that is getting portrayed in the world. But is um, archaeology is just constantly proving the Bible true. But what's cool about the Garden of Gethsemane is, is you can go there. And maybe some of you have been. I would love to go someday. And so if you want to sponsor your pastor to go to the Holy Lands, you can get... No, I'm just kidding, okay? Um, this is what the Garden of Gethsemane um, would look like and what it looks like today. A lot of historians say that some of the trees that are there were probably even there during the time of Jesus. And what's significant about Jesus being in this garden, um, Gethsemane means oil press or to press into. And so what would have been not far from Jesus, maybe his disciples hung out here and then he went a little bit further, would have been an oil press. And so what they would have done is they would have taken from the olive trees these olives, and this is what the press would have looked like, and then these ropes bind around and go and actually press in and press out the oil. Why is that significant? Um, because as you heard, Jesus is greatly troubled, sorrowful even unto death that he walks a few steps and falls to the ground. You see, the context of the passage is telling us something. It's telling us that Jesus is experiencing turmoil and pain. Jesus in Luke's gospel says that in this moment he sweats drops of blood, which a lot of doctors will tell you in a high anxiety moment your body does things, your body responds to what is happening. Um, have you ever been in the Garden of Gethsemane? I'm not meaning physically there. Um, maybe it was 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Or maybe it was in the doctor's office and you felt everything pressing in around you. You see, when we come to this idea of prayer and, and what we see today is we see Jesus experiencing pain and if there's ever been a year where there's been emotional, maybe even physical turmoil and pain, it has been 2020, right? And so one of the things that we actually see in the scriptures is we are promised pain in this world. So I don't know what you were expecting like the Sunday after Thanksgiving, like, welcome, glad you're here, welcome to Westside, you're promised pain, okay, right? Because listen, here's, here's the deal. Um, the, if you haven't had the Gethsemane moment yet, you will. 
and, and, and I'm not trying to sell you a bill of goods today. What I'm doing is, is, is I'm trying to teach us from the scriptures what it's like to really follow Jesus. And, and contrary to popular belief and what's sold in Christian bookstores and what's on TV is not the gospel. It is not this idea of an American dream where everything's going to be easy for you. And if you follow Jesus as an accessory to your life, then everything will go well. What we see in the scriptures is that there is actually pain in this world. So the question is, how do we respond to it? How do we respond to it? And what we see in the scriptures is this. In John chapter 16, Jesus says, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, but in the world you will have tribulation. The word for tribulation is suffering and it is pain. Jesus says this will happen, not if, but when this happens, but um, take heart, this is a good spot for an amen. Okay, you ready? Here we go. All right, you're in the sermon now. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. I've overcome the world. We're promised pain, but Jesus says that he's overcome the world. And then this in 1 Peter 2.21, for this you have been called. Um, man, I wonder what my calling is. What's my calling? Glad you asked. Um, this is your calling because Christ suffered for you. Amen. Amen. But there's the rest of the verse. Christ has suffered for you, leaving you an example. Oh, wow, Peter, what's the example? Um, so that you might follow in his footsteps. Oh, okay. What are the footsteps? Well, Christ suffered for you. Um, we see Jesus experiencing pain, getting pressed in. And we see him praying. The word pray is used four times in these short amount of verses. So, so what do we learn from this? What's the big idea? What's our thesis today? This is what I want to leave you with. Voicing our pain in prayer is vital to our faith. Listen, you have to have an outlet for this. And it's not Facebook. Okay, right, all right, that's out of the way. I almost preached angry there, but we're going to keep going this way, okay? You have to voice this. We have an entire book of the Bible called the Psalms that has been this for Christians for thousands of years. And we see that our God wants us to come to him in moments of pain and suffering and voice this. This is vital to your faith. For if you don't have this outlet, listen, you will either process your pain or your pain will process you. So what does this look like? And, and, and I just want to walk through this passage um, devotionally to see what does Jesus do? Very practically, this might even be, I don't say this often, but this might be an outline that you write in the cover of your Bible for in the moment when you enter into that moment of pain and in that garden of Gethsemane where you feel that everything is pressing in around you. So what do we do? How do we voice our pain in prayer? Well, the first thing I see is this, request friends to pray with you. Look at what he does in Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 33. And he said to his disciples, so now this might be the 12, that might be a larger number than that. He's just had the last supper. And so there's a larger number of disciples that are with him. And he says to them, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John. So what are some things that, that we can learn from this? Well, the first thing is this. Um, this is a hard truth, but I had a pastor tell me this. 
Loneliness is a choice. Loneliness is a choice. Jesus has a moment where we can't even imagine that the sins, he is getting ready to bear the sins of eternity, past, present, and future. And he requests his friends to pray with him. Jesus does not choose in this moment to isolate himself, which is probably what a natural tendency is, is to isolate away. But listen, loneliness is a choice. And you have a choice to invite people in or to not. The second thing that I see is this. Asking for help isn't weak, it's wise. And some of us, listen, some of us, maybe at Thanksgiving could have done really well to eat a big slice of humble pie, right? Because asking for help some, for some reason is just like, ah, but what? listen, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second member of the Trinity, um, virgin born, raised from the dead, in the moment of pain and suffering, asks his friends to pray with him. So what makes us think for a second when we're in community group or when we're at church that in that moment that we don't ask our friends to pray with us? And there's a bit of wisdom here that I see as well. Um, You need to be selective on who you let in. This is a moment, a very powerful moment in Jesus' life. And what we see is that he takes Peter, James, and John. We see that these three are sort of like the inner circle. When you look at Jesus' life, we see sort of three rings of influence in his life. We see the inner three. They get to go up on the mountain. They get to experience these things. And then we see an outer ring of the 12, and then we see a huge ring of the rest of the followers. Listen, in moments like this, it is wise for you to be wise to select a few people to join you in this moment and in this pain of suffering. I'm not saying that you need to be bitter about who you let in. Okay, that's a different sermon. What I am saying is is that you need to be wise about who you let in. Because there's some people that can't handle this moment. There's some people who aren't able to handle this. But the people that you know who have their Bible open, who have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, those are the people that we let in in those moments. So the first thing I see in the moment of pain and suffering is we request our friends to pray with us. The second thing that I see is this. um, We run to the Father. Look at what he says in Mark 14, 36. And he said, Abba, Father. I love that Mark records, it's, it's a double imperative. Um, father is the same word. So it's like father, father. And so in, in the original language, repetition provides emphasis, right? So it's not like um, that pie or that turkey was good. It was good, 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 right? So it's like father, father. And I wonder, I wonder, maybe just for a moment, if you could join me in that moment with Jesus. I wonder if his voice cracked maybe on the second father. Maybe if it was like when he hit the ground, it was like, Father, Father. And it broke in that moment. You see, we've learned a lot about this idea of prayer in the scriptures and running to the Father. So what does this mean for us? Um, Who or what you run to in this moment reveals what you love. Anytime, 
Anytime pain and suffering enter into our life, we run to something for comfort. I mean, apart from the opiate um, epidemic and we see what people run to in these moments during the shelter in place and quarantine, liquor sales have been up 35 to 45%. Listen, the proof is in the pudding that when pain and suffering enter into our life, we run to something to comfort us. And what we see for Christians is that our Father wants us to run to Him in those moments. It reveals what we love. Pain and suffering is sort of like peroxide in our life, is that it brings those things to the surface. But I also see this. Your perspective of God shapes your prayers to God. So how do you view God? We spent time at the beginning um, of our vision series looking at this idea. Some of us view God as sort of a rule keeper, an angry God who is out to get us. And so we feel like that we cannot come to God because of the sin that is in our life. So we run to other outlets. But listen, I'm here to tell you the good news of Jesus Christ that the call to worship that we had, that we are commanded to come to the throne of God boldly because of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. So I don't care what you've done in your life. I don't care how far you think you've wandered and you strayed. Listen, the grace of God is stronger than the sin in your life. And that grace propels us to run to God as Father. And we see this as parents. Oh, but it's just for a short season, right? Because when our children are small and they fall and they hurt themselves and they're on the bike and they skin their knee, what do they want? They want the comfort. They want the loving embrace. And then there's that sad moment when they're older and they can sort of handle it on their own and your heart breaks and you go in your room and cry as a parent, right? They didn't run to me this time. They didn't run to me this time. I think the same thing happens to us as Christians. Listen, our Father wants us to run to him in these moments of pain and suffering. The third thing that I see is this. Release your emotions. Look at what happens. I mean, look at this language in Mark chapter 14. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Listen, these words in the original language are massive. I mean, Jesus is experiencing all types of emotions that, listen, oftentimes we forget the great doctrines of our faith that, yes, Jesus Christ was fully God, fully God without sin, right? But Jesus Christ was fully man. It's called the hypostatic union. I mean, your nerd friend will nerd out for a moment together, all right? 100% God, 100% man. We teach at kids' side, Jesus is God in a bod, right? That's what we teach your kids. So what does that mean? That means that Jesus felt human emotions. And oftentimes we detach that in our Christian faith. That it's like, oh, it's Jesus, it's God. He's you know, turning water into wine. He's doing all of this stuff. But Jesus Christ is 100% man. And he's experiencing these emotions. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, downcast, heavy laden, even to death. Sorrowful to death. Remain here and watch, and going a little further, he fell to the ground. I mean, can we stop and just be in awe of this moment? 
that Jesus Christ is filled with turmoil and all types of emotions. And I just wonder, just for a moment, could we be honest in church? Um, Have you felt that? Listen, nobody in this room is exempt from your life changing from a text message or a phone call. And have you been there in that moment when the bottom drops out? That everything that you thought you knew that you had comfort in has now been shaken and shattered. And the emotions that rush in, what do we do with those emotions? A lot of us don't know what to do with it. Here's a few things that I see. Prayer is the primary way to process our emotions. I mean, in the book of Psalms, we see David, this Old Testament guy, right? David's killing bears and stuff with his bare hands, but he's also playing the harp, okay? So he's like manly and artistic all sort of at the same time, right? And, and, and on one psalm, he's like, oh, oh, my Lord, you will never leave me. My trust is in you. And the very next psalm, he's like, God, where are you? I feel so alone. It's just this roller coaster of emotions. And prayer is the primary way for us to process that. And, and just real quick, can I speak to the men for a moment? Um, men, we've been sold a bill of goods. Um, um, the John Wayne aspect and the Rambo and the toughness. And so men don't know what to do with their emotions. So the primary acceptable emotion for a man is anger. And so oftentimes men are angry, but they're really depressed and sad and heartbroken and they don't know how to show it. Hey, hey, listen, um, the greatest man that ever lived was Jesus Christ. Can we all agree with that? And what we see is that Jesus Christ is processing his emotions, that he's feeling them, that he's showing them. And we see this in prayer. The second thing is this. um, Honesty is the key to intimacy. Jesus comes to the Father, and he's completely honest in his emotions. And he lays it all to bear. Listen, God wants us to do that in prayer. That it's okay. Listen, can I just relieve a burden off of you? That it's okay in prayer to let God know that you're angry. It's even okay to let God in prayer know that you're angry at God. That's a biblical concept. That is what we see. That our Father wants us to come to Him because, listen, you can't be angry at somebody you're not close with. And so when you're feeling these emotions and when you see that, that's actually a sign of intimacy. It's a sign of being close. Do you know what the opposite of intimacy is? Apathy. Apathy. If you are apathetic in your prayer life and if you're apathetic in a relationship, that, that is a dangerous place to be. But the emotions Jesus expresses. And then I see this, that Jesus knows your pain. Can I just for a moment, please, please look up here. It has been from shelter in place. There was an article just this week that more people died of suicide in Japan than the entire pandemic itself. This is a serious issue. This is a word for us now. But can I tell you this, that you are not alone in your pain. Please listen to me. You are not alone in your pain. That we have a great high priest who sympathizes with us. And and, and can I just let you know, no other religion has this. 
No other religion has a Savior that sympathizes with our weakness. So in this moment, release your emotions in prayer. And the fourth thing I see is this. Remind yourself of God's bigness. Of God's bigness. Look at what Jesus says. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. He's being honest. Do you know what the cup is? It's the cup of God's wrath. This isn't a popular concept. But Jesus Christ on the cross bore the penalty of my sin and your sin. That he bore the shame and the guilt and the penalty. By the way, we're in the garden. We're in the garden and there's a will that is being wrestled out. You see, our first parents, Adam and Eve, were in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. And Adam was placed with a test to not eat of this tree. And then the enemy comes along and lies. And there was a moment when Adam could have refused his will and accepted the will of God. But rather than that, he rejected the will of God and accepted his own will. And sin enters and fractures all of creation. But here we have the second Adam. Here we have the great high priest who expresses his emotions, but at the same time says, not my will, but yours be done, Father. So what do we see in this? We see this. When you're uncertain of the future, recall God's faithfulness in the past. Jesus is in this moment where he is experiencing the cross is moments away from him. The torture and the pain is moments away, and he recalls God's faithfulness. Listen, in those moments when you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow or when you don't know what you're going to do within the next hour because the job that you thought you had is no longer there and the bid that was placed you didn't get and the, and the doctor's call that you thought was going to be this is now this and you don't know what you are going to do in that moment when the future is uncertain, you need to recall God's faithfulness in the past. Because listen to me, God is batting a thousand on all of his promises. On all of his promises that he has not failed in the past and he will not fail in the future. This is good news for us. And I see this. Prayer is about submitting to God's will. It's not about getting our way. And oftentimes we approach prayer sort of as like a negotiation, right? Or maybe you're more saved than me. Maybe you've never done that before with God. Like, God, if you do this, then I'll do this. And the reality is, is what you're requesting God to do is actually what you love more than God. So what you're praying about and that idea or that thought or that request is actually where your heart lies. And listen, do you know what a true test of our heart is? A true test of our heart is how we respond to unanswered prayers. Because then that lets us know where the relationship lies. Listen, prayer is not about bending God's will to mine. It is about me submitting my will to God. And Jesus teaches us this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what it's about. So when we're in this moment, remind yourself of God's bigness. And then I see this. Resist quitting. Um, I needed these verses this week, by the way. Three times, 
I mean, how much turkey did the disciples eat, right? They've just had the Last Supper, okay? So it was, I mean, probably a really good meal. Later in the evening, there was wine involved for some of you fundamentalists who have juice or something like that, okay? They're a little sleepy, okay? They walk, they go down to the garden. It's a warm climate. And Jesus is like, hey, sit here and pray. And they're like, all right, awesome. We're going to pray. Jesus asked us to pray. We're about to pray for him. And feeling a little snoozy, okay? Three times the disciples fall asleep and Jesus comes back to them and comes back to them and says these words and he came and found them sleeping and he said to Simon are you asleep I wonder if Simon was like no 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 what sleeping no I was praying right I was praying could you not watch an hour watch and pray now here it is that you may not enter into temptation now Jesus tells us why And it's not about the food. It's not about the hour. It's not about the time. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. Do you feel that? Gosh, I would love to read my Bible. Gosh, I would love to pray. I would love to do this. And then all of a sudden the day starts and things start happening. Listen to me. That is a battle. That is a real battle. The flesh is that part of us that has not submitted to the will of God. And so what what Jesus is saying is, listen, there's a real struggle that is going on. And listen, we are going to have to fight this thing in prayer. It is a battle. So what are some applications for us? It's this. Prayer is both discipline and delight. Here's what I mean by that. There's a real practical discipline that we have to involve in our life in prayer. There's times that need to be set. There are things that we're going to have to battle in this. It's not just all sugar plum fairies. And so if you're feeling that struggle, please listen. If you're feeling that struggle in your life, I'm here to tell you that it's okay. That it's okay. Battle this thing. Keep fighting and do not quit. And the second thing I see is this. Powerful prayer is persistent prayer. That's that's the underlying thing. Always what we see in the scriptures is a petition to continue to pray. To continue to pray. To pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Keep laying it before God. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. And a lot of us are going, Jason, I have prayed, Pastor. I have prayed for years for my grandbabies. I have prayed years for that child. I have prayed years for this situation. And I'm not seeing anything. And listen, my exhortation to you is don't give up. Keep praying. Keep petitioning. And keep coming to the Father. There's a great story that is told about a guy by the name of R.U. Darby. And the guy that tells the story is Napoleon Hill. And Napoleon Hill writes this book during the Great Depression. And it was used to sort of encourage the American people. And he went all across the country telling the story of R.U. Darby. And R.U. Darby went out to find gold in the great gold rush. He lived in Maryland and went out to California to go to find gold bought a plot of land, and began digging. He dug for three years, found a little bit of gold, but not enough to even break even on the land. And so R.U. Darby sold the plot of land, sold it to a gentleman, and the gentleman began digging where R.U. Darby stopped digging. R.U. Darby picked up the newspaper one day in California, and the largest amount of gold that had been found in one single plot of land 
was found on the land that he had sold to the gentleman. The gentleman went, R.U. Uh, Darby went to the gentleman and said, where did you find the gold? And this is a true story. The gentleman said, three feet from where you stopped digging. And he went all across the country telling the story, three feet from gold. Listen, don't stop. Don't stop. Keep persisting. Keep going. Keep fighting. And some of you feel like that you want to set up shop and you want to leave and you want to be done. But please listen, keep going to the Father. Keep persisting. Keep praying and never stop. Because our Father wants us to come to him. And the last thing that I see in these verses is this. Repeat steps one through five. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. Do it all over again. In the moment of pain, we have to voice it. And we have to come to the Father. So listen, I don't know where you're at today. But what do you need to do when it comes to voicing our pain in prayer? In closing, looking at this list, is it requesting friends to come into your life? You've been living in isolation by choice, and it's inviting those friends to come in and say, listen, this is going on, and I've kept this from you, but I need you praying with me. Are you running to something else other than the Father? And please listen to me. Whatever else you run to will let you down. It will let you down. Or maybe it's just releasing your emotions. Maybe you have bottled this thing up and maybe you've felt this for too long and maybe you feel like that you're about to explode. Please listen to me. Prayer is the primary way to process that. Or how about for all of us reminding ourselves of God's bigness and his capability? Or what if it's resisting quitting? And then some of us have repeated these steps over and over and the goal for us, the goal for us is to continue onward. Um, I was praying with my kids one night, and we were praying the Lord's Prayer. And I was praying with Andy Grace, our second born. And we, we're learning these prayers in our household, and so she was kind of repeating the prayer and kind of following along. And we got to the end, for thy kingdom come, for thy will be done. And we said, amen. She said, amen, real loud. And then right before we, I walked out of the room, she said, daddy, amen's the easy part. <laughs> amen's the easy part. And I shut the door. Do you know what amen means? Amen means let it be. And I felt the spirit of God slide into my DMs and say, is that the easy part? Jason, do you have the capability to pray and to spill your guts before me and to leave it bare? And the last thing that you say is let it be. Whatever else happens, God, I'm asking that this cup be passed from me, but not my will, but yours be done. So as we close this series on prayer, do we have this boldness to voice our pain in these moments and to just leave it before the Father? And say in agreement, amen. Westside, would you stand to your feet and lift your voices and let us pray how the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray. Lift our voices out loud. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.
as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Father, we come before you praying that we would bow before you as our Abba Father. If we are honest, there are many of us in this room that are in a Gethsemane moment. We feel it pressing in around us. May we know, Jesus, that you know our pain, that you know our struggle. God, give us the faith to come to you to release these emotions and to leave it bare. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. We pray this all in the holy and in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.